0: Sweet. We'll just start out here. Go ahead and just introduce yourself and share your chance where you got to experience God.
1: Um, my name is Sally Townsend. I've been um, got the pleasure of helping start K2 with Dave and everyone else that moved out here. Um, well, really, um, just briefly, I've ever since I can remember, I've had a passion for um, orphans, and I've never really known how God might use that in my life. And um, I say I've always had a passion for it, but for a variety of reasons my feet have stayed pretty firmly planted um with my own home and my own community and i haven't really taken steps out to do anything about that recently however though i have felt very compelled to start taking steps forward and to see how god um or why he planted that passion in me and um i would say that i had a passion for orphans and now i have an aching to um go love on some orphans and more specifically god's given me the vision that um I feel like I need to go to Africa specifically to a community who have a lot of AIDS orphans and to help start an orphanage where one is not. I don't know what that means. Um, I'm at the very beginning. I feel like this isn't a story yet. My prayer is that this will become a story um, in my life and in the lives of others. But right now I'm just on the path of um, taking steps forward and I'm contacting a lot of organizations and talking to people and hoping that God will continue to open doors for me and allow me to see where he'd like me to go with this.
2: Awesome.
3: Great. Cool. Well, good morning. My name is Troy Shepard. I had a story I was going to tell you this morning, but Dave talked to me about two minutes before the service started and said, do you have anything else? And I actually did come up with something else. So um, about four years ago, I was at a coffee shop here in town, and I was there with a bunch of other people. We were uh, getting ready to do a skit up here on stage. And um, this guy walks by and uh, wasn't with our group at all. And he asked a couple questions. And we weren't the, the people that he was looking for. And uh, But what he said kind of was interesting to me. And he asked something about if we were in real estate or something like or trying to sell a house or something. And we weren't. We were just there for K2 Skit. And um, so after we got done with our meeting there, I... I found it very intriguing, this guy just like out of nowhere just kind of asked the question. So I went over and sat down with him, introduced myself, and we started talking. Long story short, um, I've been in real estate ever since that day. (laughs) And the reason, I think, is because I I had an open ear. I I didn't know what this guy was about, who he was. He wasn't a Christian anything. He just was there at the time when I was looking to change my career. And... I think God showed up that day. I think it's pretty evident. Um, and and this guy has no clue that that's, you know, what what he really did just by asking that question. But as I look back, I think that's kind of where my career in real estate started. So I feel like that's an example of God just showing up, you know. Cool. My everyday life.
2: Awesome. <laughs> Hello, I'm Peter. And um, I want to tell a story about how My wife and I got to be a part of a a great miracle. Uh, For a long time, well, not a long time, maybe a year, we saw a need in a family. They needed a vehicle with a good air uh, air conditioner. Mm -hmm. And um, I had thoughts about maybe I can buy a car and just take care of the monthly payments for them. Or, you know, what can I do for this family to help them? And um, obviously buying an extra car is very expensive. So whatever thought I had, it just didn't work. I just couldn't bless this family the way I wanted to. And then one morning I was laying in bed. In a, It was a bad morning for me. I had a lot of pain and whatever. And my phone rings. And usually I don't answer the phone when I'm just laying in bed like that. But it was my brother's phone number. So I answered. And he he said that Peter We've been thinking, and now when we're moving back to, to where we, they live in a different country, and they spend a year in Florida. And he said, when we're moving back, we just decided to give you our car. And I was like, wow. Do you mean, like, give it to us? Like, it's ours? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, what car is it? Oh, it's a Volvo XC90, which is a pretty decent car. <laughs> and, um uh, It took me a few minutes after we were done with the conversation to realize that this is really going to take place. And my first thought was great, then we can give our suburban to this family that really needs a car. And I walked downstairs and I talked to my wife and I said, Guess what? We're going to get a car. And what do you think we're going to do with our suburban? And she said, We hadn't talked about this before. And she goes, Well, I think we should give it to this family because they really need a car. And I'm like, What do you mean? Well, she said that she, for a long time she had been thinking about the same stuff as I had been thinking about. And this gift that was given to us enabled us to bless this one family. And it was just so cool to see that God had worked in both of our hearts for about a year and prepared us so that when we received this gift, it was not hard for us at all to bless someone else. Hmm. So that was my story.
3: Awesome. Very cool.
4: I'm Kara Menning, and whew, getting emotional already. <laughs> so, um, so I thought it'd be good to bring him up here, but I think it's <laughs> making it harder. Uh, I think it was the end of January when Dave had a message on um, putting aside your own plants and following the will of God. <laughs> And um, I just God doesn't normally talk to me this way, but I just had this overwhelming sense during that service that we're supposed to adopt, and, um, and we did. <laughs> um, but anyway, when one key thing that keeps coming back to us, especially when we're up at two in the morning, is that uh, <laughs> Dave said. Um, Sometimes doing that can be excruciating, <laughs> um, and it's been that, and it's been wonderful. And um, I don't know. There's, I'd be, I'd love to share the whole entire story with any of you that are interested, but it's kind of long. There's a lot of details, a lot of uh, coincidental things that happened that week that just made it completely clear that we're supposed to adopt transracially use a specific agency here in town Um, and then in May we actually had um, a failed adoption so went to Indiana and spent a lot of time with a birth mother um, a couple of hours before uh, she was going to sign papers she changed her mind so we came back here and then the next week we were matched with Asher's birth mom, and uh, it's been great. We adopted him June 1st, so he's seven weeks old today. Hmm. And uh, I just feel like that was a complete situation where, you know, I come to church every Sunday, and I do expect to hear from God, you know, because I do, but um, had not felt anything like that so strongly really ever, that God was speaking directly to me. So specifically.
0: Awesome. Cool. You guys give him a hand for sharing, you guys. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks. That's
3: a couple. you yeah. Thanks. Gotcha. Yep.
0: All right, you guys. Well, here's, here's the deal. Over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. God loves to show up right in the middle of our lives and completely rattle us and change things. Um, Just a few stories in the Bible. This is what was happening to David, right? I mean, David was just this shepherd boy. He's just out in the flock. He's just doing his normal deal. And Samuel comes to his dad and says, you know, uh, I'm really supposed to anoint one of your sons to be the king. Just an everyday deal. This guy's a little shepherd boy, and he has no idea the plans that God has for his life. One of my favorite stories is Gideon. Same thing with Gideon. Gideon's out working in the threshing floor. He's just doing his job. He's scared to death of all the the enemies around him. And right in the middle of his work, God just shows up. All of his disciples, Jesus' disciples, they were just fishermen. They're out there. They're just fishing. They're just doing their job. Matthew was a tax collector. He was at his booth. People were just living their life, and they had no idea. They had no idea that on that day, on that day, the Son of God was going to come to them and call them to live the rest of their life with Him. It's amazing to me. And Paul, who wrote most of our New Testament letters, right? He was just doing his job. It wasn't a great job, but he was doing it, man. And he was just walking down the road, and Jesus showed up miraculously to him. And you know what happens, you guys, for them when this goes on? Everything changes. Everything. Their lives completely changed and the world around them completely changed. And, and so I just, I just thought about me and my, and my story. You know, for me, it was the same thing. I was 11 years old and I just went to church. I'm not gonna, you guys know my, if you guys don't, but most people know my story. But I was just 11 years old too. I was just going to church with my family. Certainly was not expecting to run into God on that day. And he just popped into that church service and changed my life. I struggled following him had a real hard time doing that. When I was 19 years old, I was out riding lawnmower, working for the city parks. And that's where God met me. In the middle of my everyday, normal day, out doing my job, God came in. This church exists, K2 the church, because one day I was at work. Just like you're at work every day, had lots of meetings, got out of my meetings, went and hit the phone. And and on that day was the invitation from Luther Ellis to consider planning a church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Normal day, every day, living, and God shows up. And when he does, everything changes. So today, what I want to share with you is, again, we've just been looking at some stories that are in the Bible and then trying to show us how they can actually fit who we are and where we are in our life so that you could be next. Now, that, that actually can be really exciting, and that actually can be very terrifying, to know that maybe you could be the next one to have your life be rattled, to have it be absolutely, completely transformed and changed so that you can change the world. And we're going to talk about Moses today, and I just, we're going to guide you through. I just want to talk you through, and if you, if you don't know the story of Moses at all, just real quick, because then I want to pray. But Moses was actually born in Egypt, where all the Israelites were. He ends up killing this guy and so he has to flee to Midian and after he gets to Midian he's just totally hanging out he becomes a shepherd and he's taking care of his his father-in-law Jethro's flocks and then one day he runs into the good old burning bush right Moses and the burning bush experience and uh, what I'm going to take you through today is that experience right there what happened when God showed up while Moses was just tending his flocks just doing his job and he met God all right so uh, we need to pray today, and, uh, and I, just, I, I invite you right now just to simply open your heart and, uh, and your mind uh, today, because who knows, you could be next, maybe even today, to hear the voice of God. So let's pray for it. Father, I'm just really grateful, um, man, that you, that you do this type of thing over and over again, that you don't just leave us here, and... Um, on this planet to not know you. And so, God, I know that you right here, right now, um, you're always at work. You're always doing something. And on this day as well, you're, you're doing something. And you love us. There's not a person in this room that you don't love. There's not a person in this room that you don't have plans for. There's not a person in this room that when you knit them together, you knew why they existed and what you want to do in their life. So, Lord, I, the, th- the whole thing that's been crazy to me is I have no idea when you're going to show up. Sometimes years will go by and it doesn't feel like you really show up. And then out of nowhere, you'll come. And we just want to offer this morning as one more chance for you just to meet us, uh, to engage with us, and we just ask for your grace, that free, sweet gift of yours to come and do what you want with our lives. And we pray for it in Jesus' name. So let's just jump in. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. And uh, the first thing I'm going to do, I'm just going to jump in right here. And Moses has already seen the burning bush. He's, he's, uh, obviously, that's pretty funky. And so he's intrigued by that. He decides to engage that. And I want to start with verse 7. Uh, the Lord said to Moses, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, and I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I'm concerned about their suffering. So, I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Amorites, Perizzites, and Hivites and Jebusites, and any other it you might be able to find. <laughs> uh, verse 9. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are pressing them. So now, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh (laughs) to, I just love that, to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Hey, Moses, you little uh, sheep herder. I'm coming down, and I'm going to send you to go to the most powerful man that Moses would even know about. It's amazing, you guys. So here's the deal. If God shows up into your midst, He's always doing something. He's always at work. He loves the world. He loves you. He wants to change you into the person that He created you to be. And He wants to touch the whole world. And so when He comes into your midst, when He engages you, He's always going to step into your life and say, okay, buddy, here we go. Now, if He's ever done that to you, what's the experience like when you feel like God actually engaging you? You know, something will start rumbling inside your heart, you'll start to feel a little queasy. You know, it, all these things will go on. And what we're going to find here is I just want to walk you through five things that Moses does in his response when God says, Hey, Moses, guess what? You're my man. You're my man. It's, it's pretty crazy. Sally, is, I mean, it's, seriously, we, we just talked this week, and I said, You've got to share your story. Because right now, what Sally is hearing is Sally, you're my woman. You're, you're, you're the gal I have. And, and the same thing happened for you, Kara, for you and Mitch. You're the ones. I got a little boy who I love, and I'm choosing you. I mean, man, Dave. oh, Dave Nelson. There needs to be a church in Salt Lake City. I got a lot of people there I love. And uh, you're the man. Whew. I tell you, man, when that gets that pointed and God starts speaking to you that way, it's pretty, pretty crazy. So what I want to do is let's just walk through this and let's see how Moses handled this. Because I bet you we're going to find some stuff that we experience as well. So the first thing that happens in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 11, right after God says, go, I'm sending you. Verse 11, it says this, but Moses said to God, <laughs> don't you love it? Well, God said this to Moses, but Moses said this to God. <laughs> you guys ever like that? <laughs> God speaks to you. Oh, yeah, well, I got, I got something to say about this. And uh, here's what Moses says in verse 11. Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Here's the first thing, you guys, that many of you say, and I say, when God comes to us and he says, I have something that needs to be done, and you're the person. You know what we say? We'll come back to God and we'll go, yeah, but God, who am I? And we feel, what we're really saying is, I'm insignificant. I'm not the guy. I'm insignificant. And some of you right now, feel like you're insignificant, that you, if God came to you or if he's been bugging you right now and he's been wooing you, you might be saying this. You know what's weird is David, Gideon, all the disciples and Paul said the same thing. David was the youngest son. In fact, when Samuel came to Jesse, his father, and he said, hey, uh, God asked me to anoint one of your boys to be uh, the next king of Israel. What did Jesse do? He pulled out every one of his sons except David. (laughs) Except the youngest one. And he goes through, and Samuel goes through all of them, and he goes, no, nope, 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 no. Nope. He goes, you got any other kids? He goes, oh, yeah, I, I got this little runt down here, Dave. Yeah. Dave shows up. Samuel goes, that's the guy. Gideon is awesome. One of my favorite phrases, when God says to Gideon, he says, Gideon, go in the strength that you have to rescue my people right here. And Gideon says, but Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. <laughs> I'm the runt. <laughs> I'm insignificant. You got the wrong guy. You need the mighty warrior, which is what God actually called him, which is interesting. When they gets in, in Acts, when the disciples started to do all these crazy things, the people looked at him, and they said, wait, 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 wait. These guys can't do this. They called them unschooled, ordinary men. <laughs> Nothing special. Fishermen, tax collectors, you name it. There was nothing significant about them. Paul, too, when he was trying to help everybody understand, he goes, do you realize what God did? I was the worst of sinners. I mean, if God was going to choose somebody to help expand the church and reach the Gentiles, I was so not the guy. I was trying to kill the church. In fact, I was. See, do you guys love it? I just love this. So if you're sitting here today and you sense maybe God's prompting you go, yeah, but man, I am not the guy. No, look at this. I don't care if you're significant. And here's what's funny, you guys, because I had this struggle. I, I still do have this struggle, okay? Man, when you're, when you're going, when you feel the call, and I remember, I, I used to tell people all this time because I was in Detroit. I was actually part of the team that got to plant Kensington. And after seeing what it took to plant a church, I remember saying, there is no way I'm ever doing that. There's no way I'm ever going to plant a church. And after doing ministry for years, and you guys, maybe you're like this in your own life. But I look in the mirror, and when I look in the mirror, see, I see everything that I can't do. I don't, anybody else like that? I mean, I see the weaknesses, and I see the reasons that I should never be the guy to do something like this. And I can't tell you how many conversations, in fact, what was it, Sue? two weeks ago? I, I sat with my wife, and again, I'm just going, dude, I just, I, I don't think I'm the right guy. And, and what's so crazy, you guys, is... um. Notice how God, so, so Moses comes up and he goes, wait a second, God, who am I? And what I love about God, and you'll see this in Jesus all the time, is when people ask Jesus questions, he hardly ever answered them. It's hilarious to me. And look, look at this, in, in verse 11, he goes, Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I'll be with you. And this will be the sign that it is I who have sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you'll worship God on this mountain. This is very, 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 very important. When God came to Moses, Moses said, who am I? And God didn't answer him. He didn't tell him who he was. What did God do? He said, let me tell you who I am. See, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about God. And when God comes to you and he says, hey, this is what I have for you. And you're saying, who am I? I love that God goes back there and he just says, well, it doesn't really matter who you are because I'm going to be with you. (laughs) I I heard a guy one time talking about this story and he said there wasn't really anything special about the bush, you know, that Moses ran into. What was special was that there was a fire in the bush. So any old bush will do. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) See, it's not not the bush that's special. It was the fire in the bush. So any old bush will do. And I'm telling you, when you read the Bible, what you find is God loves to say, you know what, I bet that guy can't think he can do anything. I'm taking him. I bet this person won't do it. I'm going to take them. Because then when God works in your life, he does so much more than you ever thought, and it's unbelievable, and he does amazing things. So you guys, in other words, you know, when, when, when Moses says this to God, it's so important to understand that it's not about who we are. It's about who he is. And if you feel insignificant today, if God's been prompting you and you're going, yeah, but who am I? You just got to remember, it doesn't really matter. God can and will use anybody. And if he's calling you, then he may want to do that through you. All right, so here we go. After that, Moses said to God, well, okay, uh, well, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? And Moses says, well, then what should I tell them? <laughs> and I, in other words, what he's saying here is, well, who are, who are you? <laughs> really? And, and so if they tell me, like, what do I tell these guys? And I hear this one all the time. When God prompts some people to do things, some people will say this. Yeah, but I'm, I'm ignorant. <laughs> the first one is I'm insignificant. The second one is we'll say is the excuse we'll give God is, well, I, I, but I'm ignorant. And again, basically what we're saying is, but I don't know enough okay don't raise your hands here but have any of you ever felt like that like i, I can't do what god is asking me to do because i don't know enough and again what i love in acts is they looked at peter and john and they go Wait a second these are unschooled ordinary men and they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with jesus see god is simply looking for people who respond to him when he says go He doesn't need really smart people. He doesn't need people who who go to seminary and who who go to Bible studies and have all this knowledge before they do anything. Now, let me tell you something. Knowing God is critical. So when he asks him and he says, well, who are you? God comes back and he says, okay, here's who I am. You tell him, I am. Sent you. Huge, can't go into that. Huge issue right there where God relates who he is in his name. But you guys, so we do need to seek after him and we need to ask him questions and we need to take seriously, and I can't tell you how critical this is, we need to take seriously his revelation of himself, okay? I say this all the time, but there is no way that my little human brain is going to figure out who God is. I, 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 and again, I hope I can't because then he's really, really tiny and small. So it is critical that we let God tell us who He is through this right here and spend amazing amounts of time in here. It is important that we know who He is. But Please hear me, okay? But I also know this. There's a ton of people who've studied this thing and they know it inside and out. And when God says go, they never go. When God actually asks them to love, they don't really love. And you know, that's when the church and religion gets really ugly Because you get these people who know a lot of stuff, but they actually never follow God. That is, that's horrible. In fact, that's what Jesus had to fight with the Pharisees and the Sadducees his whole life here. So what God is asking you guys right now is if you're sitting here today and you go, yeah, but I don't know enough. I just, you guys, nobody in Scripture had to go through seminary or classes of any sort to do what he asked them to do. David, now he had to go through a lot of testing, a lot, of, a lot of opportunities to test his faith, and so did Gideon, and so did the disciples, and, and so did I, and so will you, okay? But what we go through, you guys, is every time that God gives you a chance, and if he's prompting you, and you step out, then God is going to show you more of himself, and you're going to know him intimately and personally. And this is so my passion This is the thing about church that drives me personally crazy (laughs) is that we have tons of people who try to get to know about God and they don't ever actually know Him. You know, these guys back here, they didn't have the scriptures to read and study. They became the scriptures that we read and study because they said yes to God. And so, man, again, if you're sitting there and you go, but I need to know more and I got to get more, it's like, no, you need to step out. I'm ignorant. Go. Go. I don't get it. Go, and I tell you what—you'll. I feel like what God is saying, and you'll know me more if you take one step of faith than if you read a ton of books. Just take one step of faith, and you will know me personally and intimately. All right. So, number one excuse, I'm insignificant. Number two excuse, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, ignorant. And the third thing I think that Moses says, yeah, but God, I'm scared. Anybody ever been scared? You know, I, I personally think this is the number one reason that we don't go when God says. Chapter four, verse one. Moses answered, "Well, what if they don't believe me or listen to me, and they say the Lord did not appear to you? I mean, I I, I love this. So I love that. I love how Moses just constantly engages in this this battle back and forth with God. Well, God, I know you want me to do this, but what if what if they don't listen to me? And I tell you guys." In general, this is probably the biggest reason we don't say yes to God. And for some of you right now, you you are. What you fear is if you do what God is asking you to do, that you could get rejected. And I know this is a huge one. That if you step out, you fear how people are going to respond to you. And most of us will get paralyzed in that, and we won't take a step of faith and experience God the way that he wants us to. All right? Another fear is failure. Some of us right now, God is asking you to do something and you're looking at yourself and you go, "This is. if I do this, I don't know if I can do this. And and you get scared. We're going to look at that in just a second. Some of us fear opposition. Some of us fear loss. If I actually really do what God is asking me to do, I'm going to lose my life. Potentially. I think Jesus said something about that. And he actually said, if you try to save your life, you are going to lose it. But if you lose it for me, you're actually going to find it. So what do we do, man? When God starts prompting us and calling us to do something, we just clamp on because we don't want to lose what we have. Not knowing that God has something unbelievably beyond anything that we could imagine. Now here's what's interesting too. is all through the Bible. In fact, I don't know if you guys know this, but the number one command, well obviously in in importance is love God with all your heart the number one command that is used more than any other one in the Bible is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now, I'm actually glad because what that does is it shows me that every time God moved in people's lives, almost every time people were afraid. So he just had to tell them over and over again. So if you're afraid right now, you're probably in really good company and I just want to tell you, God is coming to you and how he always answers them is this. I'll be with you. But I'm scared, but I'll be with you. But I, but I, but I. See, we always go, but I. And God goes, but I. And we just kind of go back and forth until we finally realize that God is saying, if I'm with you, man, you can do anything. And what's crazy is the very next thing that that God does is here's Moses going, I just don't know. What if they don't listen to me? And God goes, well, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? Well, in his hand was the staff. It was just a staff. And and what he did is he said, well, take that staff and throw it down on the ground. And when he did, it turned into a snake. That's pretty cool. Anybody ever had that experience? (laughs) See, like if God was engaging me and asking me to do something and I was scared and I took a piece of wood and threw it on the ground, it turned into a snake, I'd be like, oh, okay. Cool. And then he goes, now pick it up. And so he picks it up and it turns back into the, the staff. And he goes, there you go. I'm like, I think I'd be good. You guys be good? <clears throat> Apparently that wasn't enough for Moses Because then he said Hey now take your hand And put it inside your cloak He does Pull it out It's all leprous He goes put it back in takes it up." Oh it's not leprous He goes now If that doesn't work Take some water from the Nile Throw it on It'll turn into blood Okay I mean it's unbelievable Now I'm sitting here In, in El Sog He's down at the other campus And I'm going See that's not fair Anybody else feel like That's not fair I, I go Give me that You want to see some courage You know and I've never had that. In fact, it was so funny. We were talking about, can you imagine if in the New Testament, Jesus, he calls all his disciples, right? And as soon as they decide to follow Christ, he goes, okay, now here's your stick that when you throw it down, it'll turn into a snake. Go, next. Okay, here's your stick. I mean, wouldn't it be great if you got baptized into Christ and he handed you your snake stick? Wouldn't that be awesome? All- <laughs> okay, here you go. just want to let you know. So you- He doesn't do that. But you guys, what is so funny is Paul, Peter, these guys, they did miraculous things. But what's so crazy when you read the Bible? They never really emphasized all the miraculous, crazy things. That was not the signature of their life. You know what the signature of Paul, and Peter, and anyone after Christ? What was the signature of their life? You might know. It changed. It changed. Tell me, again, how does the living God, through the Holy Spirit, enter into your being and not have some change? See, here's what's wild. I don't think, not that God can't do this, but he's not going to give many of us burning bushes. He's just not and he's not going to probably give you a stick that you get to throw on the ground and have it turn into a snake but i can tell you this every person who puts their faith in christ and says here's my life then god does come in and he does fill you with his spirit and then and and, and again the whole thing that they were saying here is people were going to look at him and he says how um what uh, i'm sorry When, 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 in, when, when Moses was, was scared, he was fearful because he was saying, what if the people say, how do we know that you've actually been with God? How do we know that you've come from him? And if people come to us and they go, how do we know? When you step out, what you have is your story. And you know what's so cool today? Is, is people can argue, we can argue, and we can intellectually go with God or without God and all that kind of stuff. But in our culture today, the one thing that's true is everybody's story. Everybody's story. You know what I used to do? Some guys, I don't know if you're ever like this, but you just feel like you're in a desert with God. One of the best things for me when I feel like God is far away is I go, usually at night, and I just take a long walk and I remember my story. I just go back to day one when God made himself very real to me. Because, when he's not feeling real to me, I get more timid and I get more laid back and I I don't have the courage I need. And I start to be like Moses where I start making excuses and going, but I'm, what if, I don't know. And what we need to remember is that God is with us and he's doing amazing things in us. So you guys, to take a step of faith when we're scared with God is huge. Do not be afraid. And one last comment on this one. This is so weird to me. I can't tell you how many times I've asked God to take away the fear. anybody anybody ever done that? Lord, just take it away. What I have found is He never takes it away. I don't don't like that. If I was God, I'd go, man, I'm going to give that boy some courage. You know what he does? with me, and I think with most of us, is he'll ask us to do something. We start battling with him and go, yeah, but I'm scared. God, take away my fear and then I'll do it. He goes, okay. He holds out his hand. He goes, grab my hand. I think he's going to ask some of you today to grab his hand. Grab my hand. See, he doesn't say, I'm going to take away the fear. He says, I'll be with you. Grab my hand. And what I found is, every time I grab his hand, you know what he does? He leads me right into what I'm scared of. Anybody else come, Can I show of hands? Is it just, am I the only one? Is he just playing with me or does he do that with you too? <clears throat> because what I find then is he goes, because if I just took away the fear, if it just wasn't there, then you could always be scared it might come back. He goes, but if I take you right into it and I'm with you in the midst of it and you see me show up, guess what? You realize, wow, I don't have anything to be afraid of. And it's based on his presence in your life. I just want to tell you right now if you're waiting not to be scared, you probably are going to wait your whole life. And you guys don't wait your whole stinking life. Oh my gosh, I I need to put up a mirror in front of me. Don't do this. God so has a story for you and he has a world that he wants to change and he comes to us and we battle him like Moses and go, I, 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 and God goes, okay, I'm gonna be with you but you're never gonna experience that until you take the step of faith and then once you take it, the courage comes. It's crazy to me. I think he's gonna ask some of you to do that today. Okay, Number three is I'm scared. Number four, Moses' fourth argument is, I'm unable. In verse 10, he says this, Moses said to the Lord, O oh Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. He goes, I can't do this guy. I can't even talk. I stumble all over my tongue. This is ridiculous that you're asking me to do this. And again, I've already shared with you, me and knowing what I'm like, it's so hard to deal with what I feel like God asks me to do, because I have to do things that are beyond me, and I just know, as soon as I get comfortable with God, He always asks me to do something else I can't do. And I love God. I love God's response in verse 11. And the Lord said to him, "Who gave man his mouth?" I love that. I can't speak. Who gave God? Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I? Said the Lord. Now go. I'll help you speak, and you'll. And I will teach you what. To say. And I want to tell you this, you guys. And this is so true again. He's going to ask you to do what you can't do. He's going to ask you to do what you can't do. Because it's not about you. It's about Him. And when He does something through you you never thought you could do, He gets all the glory and God's stuff gets done. But I will tell you this. What He calls you to do, He will equip you to do. He will give you what you need. Now, here's what's funny to me. After all these things, Moses gets a burning bush... He has this amazing conversation with God. He gets to see the staff and the leprosy thing and water into blood. And then he gets all of God's promises. I'll be with you. I will perform these wonders among the Egyptians. I promise to bring you up out of slavery. I'll help you speak. I'll teach you what to say. I mean, he goes through this whole thing. And then in chapter 4, verse 13, what's Moses' response? I love this. But Moses said, Oh, Lord, please send someone else. (laughs) I just... I love that. You know what I love about the heroes of the Bible? They're still not heroes. <laughs> I mean, you you'd imagine after that, you write the story. If we were writing the story, eventually the guy would go, yes, God, right? And he'd puff up his thing and he'd be all brave and he'd be courageous and God gives him all this stuff and Moses just sit there and goes, I, I, send somebody else. The last thing, I think what Moses just said, he goes, I'm unwilling. I'm unwilling. Send somebody else. Okay, I don't want to get it. I can't obviously get into a theological debate today. But I want to tell you something. When God calls you, he calls you. He calls you. And he knows you. And there's something very specific that God wants to do, I believe with all of my heart through you. Personally for me, I think the reason the world is so screwed up is because when God says, I need you, we go, uh-uh. Nope. Susan and I could have said, nah. And you know, know, and here's what some people will say, well then God just would have chose somebody else. Okay. It wouldn't be K2 (laughs) be something else. Does God need you? No, but he chooses you. And I think the world, I think Salt Lake City, I think where we live could be amazingly different if just all of us would just simply say, okay, God, take my life. You have plans and they're good and they're right and they're pleasing and you want to change the world, my world that I live in. And we just go, send somebody else. And I just think God's the one, I'm not going to do that because there's nobody like you. Your personality, where you live, the time that you are, the connections you have, the experiences you've gone through. There ain't nobody else who has that. And I think God has done everything that he's done in your life up to this point so he can do the very next thing that he wants to do. And what are you doing? Are you arguing with him like Moses? Are you going to say yes to God? Now, today I'm really excited because I have a guest here today. Uh, and it's somebody who's been saying yes to God. And, um, and so we're just going to... I just want to invite him up and I want him to share his story with you. Just one more person who's doing that. So Jeff Hardings, would you guys give it up for Jeff? And uh, bring him on up here real quick. Awesome. Now I don't know if you guys... Uh, anybody know Jeff out there? I mean, Okay. Jeff was a part of our uh, community here uh, originally until a couple years ago. And um, Jeff also was the center for the world champion Pittsburgh Steelers, so, which is very cool. And um, actually, and it was really fun because he was here, uh, living here in, in the offseason when you guys won, which was, which was really fun. So we all, that's when we got our, in trouble for having the Super Bowl party uh, in the red building as we <laughs> were cheer, cheering Jeff on to victory. So, man, thanks so much for being here. It's a pleasure. Awesome. And he's got a couple of his boys right down here, Michael and Lucas. You guys want to just wave wave your hands, say hi to everybody real quick? Good to have you guys down here. Um, So so Jeff is a part of an organization now in Pittsburgh, back in Pittsburgh, called Urban Impact. And before I have him share uh, just what that's about and what God's been doing, there's just a real quick video that will kind of give you an overview of what uh, Urban Impact does. So let's go ahead and watch that. Our kids just lack opportunities. That's what poverty is. They lack the options. The options to to go get a decent job, to get a decent education, to have mom and dad at home. I mean that that that's just missing in their lives. At Urban Impact we use athletics as kind of the front
2: line of our ministry and where we um, we engage with youth who may never be part of a church, may never be part of any Christian organization, um, but but most kids on the north side of pittsburgh they love to play sports and so they're willing to come out and hear a message about jesus if you you have a basketball or a football
5: if we
4: can through the performing arts bring them into a venue where they can succeed and that they can experience what it means to make it in something and really not just make it on a level of i passed but they can actually excel they can actually be a plus all in the parameters of knowing Jesus Christ and having Him be the driving force of that success.
5: The kids who come to camp are in first grade through twelfth grade and we have basically four camps inside the summer day camp program. The early elementary kids are grades one through three, and we plan everything for them. Their day is very organized, they move at a, a slower pace. But then when they get to middle school, they begin to have options. They choose skills and projects, so they basically plan how they'll spend their afternoon. And then when they get to high school, we have the work program, you know, helping them think through college and career plans and what they might want to do when they, after they graduate but everybody's schedule in the morning is the same. Everyone comes in, we have breakfast, they have Christian ed, they
4: do math and they do reading. So one of the goals in the camp is that kids will not regress in math and reading during the summer. As we feed into the lives of the young people here and tell them you need to step up and fill these spaces, they need to be equipped in doing that. Like if they don't have leaders already in their life, we have to provide them with the leadership and the tools by which they can grow into these leaders and be transforming agents within their community.
0: We've put on more programs and more opportunities and more options in the last three years than we've ever done in in the history of Urban Impact Foundation. And we as the body of Christ need to do whatever it takes to get them to that place where the gospel of Jesus Christ can go into that neighborhood and lives can be changed. this neighborhood, one person, one family, one block at a time. Awesome. Isn't that cool? Yeah, you can just celebrate. That's awesome, man. Uh, is, that, is that your guy's main phrase, one person, one family, one <laughs> yeah. block at a time?
5: Yeah, I had to smile because we say that all the time, but That's it's cool. so true. It's, it's the vision that God gave Pastor Ed when he started that, one person, one family, one block at a time. And now we get to see that being lived out. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. So why don't you tell everybody just what, what's what kind of what's your role in helping out Urban Impact?
5: Well, when I felt called by God to go back to Pittsburgh, it was specifically to help raise money through this program called Play Ball for Kids, which I actually started when I was a Steeler. And it was a partnership between the Pittsburgh Steeler players. I'd recruit my teammates, and then we would, we would uh, solicit businesses to donate money and um and he wanted me to help continue to do that but you know as as you've heard and you, you never know what god's real plan is so i got involved in the athletics programs that's kind of made sense and um and i and as of now 3 years later i uh, lead a baseball program and lead basketball team so isn't it ironic i'm a football <laughs> player and so you really don't know what god's plan is yeah. how, how are those teams doing Oh, they, they're doing good.
0: <laughs> uh, we had a awesome. tournament team this year in baseball. It's great. That's cool, man. Hey, so let's, let's go back to while you were here. Because um, I know we had conversations and stuff, and you were really wrestling with this deal of what God was maybe asking you to do. So just, just share a little bit of your journey with everybody. What, would this, what this was like to have God kind of move into your world.
5: Well, yeah, you mentioned Luther Ellis, and Luther Ellis was a good friend of mine. He actually led me to, to a relationship with God. In uh, and when I'm, we were playing together in Detroit, and then he sent me a letter. And long story short, to invite me and my family to be a part of this church plan also. And at the time, I was like, no way, I'm gonna play like 10 more years of football at least. Well, I got an injury that cut my NFL career short. And in, in the midst of going through that injury, I had decided that man, maybe God was calling me to come to Salt Lake City. And uh, and so you know, we ended up ended up being out here, and I ended up playing. One more season, and we went to the AFC championship game, and I went to the Pro Bowl, ended up playing the next season. And we were living here in the off seasons and just kind of, you know, kind of wondering what God was going to have in store for us here in Salt Lake City. We won the Super Bowl, and I played one more year, and then, you know, my knee had really been completely worn out, like really bad tires that you should have changed a long time ago. (laughs) And so I retired and came back here in, uh, in January of 2007, uh, right after the '06 season, and I just really was started to search and started to really probably think for ourselves. You know, you know, what's our role going to be here at K2? And you know, is, is it an adoption ministry? And we met with met with uh, K2 about an adoption ministry. And I kind of thought maybe I had plans to be uh, maybe lead some men's Bible study groups. And but mainly, the the point is that I was probably thinking for myself instead of. Uh, and you know when that kind of led to really kind of a lack of peace, and, and really kind of wondering, uh, wonder, wondering what what's uh, what do you have in store for me, God? And uh, and more than anything, this anxiety inside that I wasn't doing what God wanted me to do, and I didn't like that feeling at all. And so finally, I just got to this point where I was like, I'm, I'm available, God. And I think, for me, that was the main thing that I needed to do is just say, I'm available, God. I'll do anything for you because I don't want to live like this without living out my plan for you, that you have for me.
0: Awesome. Cool. So and I know Jeff and I were having breakfast yesterday, and that was a huge point right there for some of you. Because um, some of you might not be feeling any specific woo to do anything. And, but getting your heart to that point right there, where you say, I'm available. That might be all that God's asking you to do today. It's just to, to, to take your hands off the wheel and let him do what he wants. And um, then yesterday he shared, you just shared a great story. I'd love, you know, just, so you're in Pittsburgh and you're doing this ministry and you got plans, you got ideas, you're, and then, uh, but, but they have other ideas. And uh, so yeah. just share with us what that kind of that journey was like.
5: Yeah. So, well, then Pastor Ed actually came out and, and uh, he was visiting and he asked me to to get involved with uh, play ball for kids, and I really felt like that was the call that God, God uh, had made on my life to come back to Pittsburgh, and, and just immediately we, we picked up and and it was kind of like the story of of uh, of the the guy up here with the car, you know, and he and I talked to my wife about it, and she was like, yeah, I wonder why we even ever moved back here, why didn't we stay there? So she had gotten that call maybe earlier. So then, anyways, we moved back, and I, I started getting involved, and. And what, what Dave is referring to is I got involved with baseball because my sons were playing baseball, so I was coaching a baseball team. That was in the spring, and then in the fall, we started, I started coaching this basketball team, our very first basketball team, and I was very excited. We had 15 kids, and, and I had grown to have some relationships with them, and I had planned on taking that the whole year through, but we didn't have anybody to lead baseball that year. And so we went through some real tension, I mean, really the leadership of athletics and myself and and by then you, a lot of you guys know Chad Bronner's rather by then he had he had been called um, he 's got his own story he had been called to come to Pittsburgh. and, and him and I were sitting here like man it's you know I, God wants us to continue to do this basketball team. What are we going to do with all of these guys that are on this basketball team? But we just you know the vision from the from the athlete, the vision that God had given athletics was for baseball to happen, and we had no leader for baseball and after a really tough meeting a lot, a lot of tension i had went home and and immediately i was in my bathroom and it was funny you were referring to the mirror on the wall because i looked in the i had just like turned and like a lot of us do you kind of glance in the mirror and it was like i'm like it was like a burning bush i it really was it was like god said directly right to me it's not about you jeff now and, and i just like wow I picked up the phone immediately and called him, and, and I was like i 'll be the baseball leader and I experienced everything that Moses had experienced uh, fear like there 's no way I can lead an entire baseball program i 'm you know barely able to lead a baseball team it 's not what I want to do. you know, God, please find somebody else to do it. all of that you know I could relate to all of that, but it was definitely a pivotal moment in my life because now, three years later, I realized that there 's just much more. Uh, understanding that our life isn 't about us it, it, it fully being fully surrendered to what God has in store for your life is actually when you get blessed and now I see that blessing and um, and i 'll just share there's there, one of my very first uh, kind of God moments with urban impact was with a boy in that baseball program. his name is Trayvon Parks, and my boys are very familiar with him because uh, there was I could just tell something was different about this kid, and you guys could see the kind of youth that we work with at urban impact and and one day he was just crying for no reason. I walked over and I was like, you know, what, what's going on? And he was like, man, I'm going to amount to nothing. And it took me like several questions to figure out what he was talking about. But he said, my dad's in jail and I know I'll, be, I'll end up in jail too and I'll amount to nothing. He was only eight years old. Well, I could tell that, that uh, God was really calling me. Once again, you know, another moment where he was calling me to mentor this, this young boy. And now he's 10 years old and he lives with us on the weekends. And it was really tough not to bring him here this weekend. He's in that day camp that urban impact has. So he has a mom, but his dad's in jail and he doesn't have any communication with him, and he, he's pretty much like another son of mine. Hmm. And, and my sons have a great relationship with him, and, and so it's you know, a, a life one, one, uh, one person at a time that's being changed.
0: Yeah. How, how has your life changed?
5: I mean, it's just the peace. It's, uh, and, you know, it's been extremely difficult to come back to Salt Lake City because of the sun. <laughs> Every morning, the sun. And, man, there's just so much to do here. And yesterday, we just flew in yesterday, and immediately I could just feel like the, my flesh, really. Like, I just loved it here. I mean, it took me a week to pray about after I got called to go to Pittsburgh. Uh, it took me a week, and it was just another one of those moments. I, this is—that's how God speaks to me. He always says it's not about you. It's probably because I was so self-centered. If you really knew my whole story, I was so self-centered in becoming an NFL player and becoming wealthy. That—that's what God has really had to just peel from my from my heart. And uh, and I just remember my love for Salt Lake City and everything that was going on here, and my excitement about seeing what was going on with K two. I was walking through my yard, and we lived right, we lived right down kind of in the, in the um, sandy area. And uh, I remember looking up at the mountains and thinking, man, I'm going to give the mountains up, all the things, all the activities in the mountains. And that was the first time that God really spoke to me and said, it's not about you, Jeff. I don't care if you're a Pittsburgh Steeler, because I didn't want to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. I just wanted to be out here and just be another guy. But he wanted me to go to Pittsburgh and be a Pittsburgh Steeler and do whatever I could in his name. To change one person, one family, one block at a time, and now he's just showing me like this whole other uh, this whole other plan- all these other plans that he's had, and what you you said, like he just keeps calling you to do more things, and now he's calling me to do this real like community Bible study of where we live, and i 'm like asking God man, you 're not asking me to plant a church, are you because i'm scared to death of that,
0: <laughs> but <laughs> it's pretty much over, buddy, yeah so. <laughs> You'll be giving me a call in about a year, probably. You know, sometimes I
5: do wonder. I'm like, was I really called to go to Salt Lake City? Like, how does that fit in the plan? And he just keeps showing me why and all of these connections. K2 Pittsburgh. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. I never thought
5: about that. (laughs) And I'm going to stop thinking about it right now.
0: (laughs) Well, man, I just think one of the things that's cool, too, is Jeff was just sharing yesterday. So in this meeting, it's so intense. He comes to the bathroom. God says, Jeff, it's not about you. What I love, Jeff said yesterday too. So he immediately got on the phone and called the guy and surrendered his life, and and now God's using that. And what's really cool too is Chad's down south telling his story, and you guys know Chad. I love Chad. He's the guy who he says, "What in the world's a forty-some-year-old bald white guy doing down in inner city, <laughs> Detroit, you know, Pittsburgh?" And and he's changing kids, like five kids, right this year. Yeah. Five kids that Chad personally, because of his investment in their life, are now going to college this fall. And so I mean, you know, it's just awesome so cool
5: three or four from that basketball team
0: four from the team th- you know yeah
5: four of them were from that first basketball team 15 kids in a living room to go start a basketball yeah. team and we thought we were leaving them because we were going to do baseball and yeah. god had other
0: plans for sure so there you go thanks man thanks for sharing buddy You're i appreciate it. <laughs> i'm gonna ask the band to, to come up you guys and as we close today um, and as they do, I just want to ask you. So, so how about you? You yeah, know, how about you? What, what's God? I don't know if He's interrupting your day to day or not, but if He is interrupting your day, um, what are you going to do with that? And I love what Jeff says. You know, that it's not about me. That's what we used to say all the time. We planted this church. One of our values here, well, in our mission statement, is to be focused. And what we mean by that is to get our life off everything else and get it off and get it on God, to be really focused on Him. And one of our values is actually the freedom of sacrificing all self-interest for the interests of God and others. Have you ever done that? Just the freedom that you have when you finally sacrifice all your interest for God and for others. I want to tell you, this, the only reason this church exists is because 100 people did that. They just said, you know what? We're going to do that. And they gave up their life to start this church. And we still can do that now. And God wants to change lives, just like He is in Pittsburgh, and like He is in here. And He wants to keep doing it. He wants to change the world. I just I can't imagine what Moses saw because he finally went with God. Got to see the, all those amazing moves of God in Egypt. He got to see the Red Sea parted. Got to receive the Ten Commandments. I just it's amazing. And I always wonder what is what what you, could you and I see. God do if we would just say God, all I want to do is give my life to you. I just want to give my life to you. And the coolest thing is, you guys, when you receive Christ and he dwells inside you, he's the one who never did anything for himself, ever. But he always did whatever God wanted him to do. And if he lives inside us, the scripture says that Christ died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him. And so today is your day. And we're just going to close with a couple songs and give you a chance to engage in your own heart. If God has interrupted you today, this first song is just killer. And we're just going to let you just sit. And I would just say, encourage you just to pray, close your eyes, just enjoy this song and see if God might be asking you to say, God, whatever you want to do with me, I'm available. I just want to give you my life. Let's do it together.